AM uh, 640 handle here on November 17th on a Thursday. Now, the um, uh, the protests of Donald Trump as president continue. A lot of controversy, not only in his campaign. I don't know if we had a controversial presidential campaign like this one. Certainly not in my lifetime that I can remember. But it continues on after the Donald Trump win. And uh, there are two issues that uh, are in uh, top of mind. Actually, there are about half a dozen issues. Actually, there are several dozen issues. But I want to concentrate today on, at this point, the most controversial part of uh, what is going on. And that is the appointment of Steve Bannon to a senior political strategist at the same level as his chief of staff, Renz Priebus. That's never happened before because the top echelon is the chief of staff. Everybody reports to the chief of staff except for Steve Bannon, who the campaign has said, same same place. They're on the same level. And you go, okay. So not only is Steve Bannon the issue of someone, a political strategist, being put on the same level as chief of staff, but it's who it is. And that's Steve Bannon. And last night, there were protests here in Los Angeles, actually, downtown. And it's not just, gee, we hate the president. It's, we hate who the president is also appointing. He's all about hatred. He's all about racism. He's all about prejudice. I'm scared for our country. I'm scared for all of the minorities. No, he's not all about racism and prejudice. He's all also about not shaving. He's also about uh, rarely shampooing and doing his hair. That doesn't happen. It's uh, No, he's about and dressing like a schlub. I'm willing to bet that at, at national meetings, everybody's in a coat and suit, actually a suit, not even a sports coat. In comes Steve Bannon in his sweats and his flip-flops. Tremendous, isn't it? Okay, so with that in mind, uh, let's talk a little bit about Steve Bannon. And you can't mention the name Steve Bannon without mentioning the alt-right and Breitbart. And was it uh, Breitbart, uh, and Wayne is here, uh, having researched this, we're going to talk about this uh, for this segment, uh, is uh, the even the term alt-right, it was coined by Breitbart, was it not? Well, no, the, the, the term was coined by a guy named Richard Spencer who he he was with I don't know how much of the history you want but th- there was oh, this, a little bit there was this all we right. start with well, you're right you what, bill here, you're absolutely right whenever i ask the question oh, you don't oh correct. yes it was totally okay. coined <laughs> it was totally coined by breitbart right. after it was coined <laughs> by richard spencer you know this whole thing actually goes back all the way it goes back all the way to the philosopher hegel it goes back to the humorist hl mencken it goes back to the French New Right movement that started in the 60s. And you're accusing me of tangenting. <laughs> no, but I'm giving you or the history of where all this comes from. Yeah, I am wonking a little bit. And also, Pat Buchanan is credited not with starting it or wanting it, but remember when he ran for president and yeah. a lot of people said, oh, it's a return to real it's not this uh, Barry Goldwater watered down nonsense, right? Pat Buchanan is a return to the roots of conservatism. They even called it paleoconservatism. So then this guy named Taki Theodorakopoulos started an online thing called Taki's Magazine. Japanese guy. Uh, Greek. Oh, okay. Got and, it. 
and it was it was kind of like a, a mainstream, slightly libertarian, slightly the right thing. You had people like Pat Buchanan, Michelle Malkin contributing to it. And Richard Spencer worked there. Richard Spencer decided it wasn't uh, good enough. It wasn't extreme enough. So he left and he started alternativeright.com. And that's really where the phrase came from. And so how did Breitbart, uh, and that is uh, enough, I mean, the guy who started Breitbart, uh, Breitbart, Andrew Breitbart, uh, yeah. is um, uh, he came in, and let's talk a little bit about the history of Breitbart and how Steve Bannon connected. I mean, Breitbart is really alt-right, super right-wing, uh, to the point where it's, uh, I would uh, say it's uh, beyond just a philosophy that it, uh, it got into uh, trying to get act an activism role where, I mean, they are nuts. So talk a little bit about uh, Breitbart. Well, Breitbart, you know, when Breitbart started under Andrew Breitbart, it wasn't it wasn't that extreme. It's kind of like the same thing that happened with these online blogs. It's basically Drudge Report. It, and it, it started exactly like that, yeah. And then Steve Bannon came in, and when Steve Bannon came in, he started to bring in people to write for Breitbart that had more and more extreme views. And that's when the headlines became more sensational and button-pushing and the content became more of what we commonly call the alt-right now. And Bannon actually said in an interview that after he had taken over for a while that Breitbart was now the premier platform for the alt-right. Because the alt-right has, a, has an interesting problem where, depending on the circumstances, someone either wants to deny, they really want to deny that, it's, that they're alt-right or that they're part of it, or they want to be identified with it. And Bannon, like, now a lot of people are, are making excuses for Steve Bannon. They're saying, no, he's not that way. He's a good guy. He doesn't believe any of that stuff. But he's the one who said that Breitbart had become the platform right. for and the, the plat- alt-right. Now, and there's an issue about platform uh, versus being involved because it's – I think the argument he's making is almost like Facebook. Uh, we are – it's not our philosophy when these crazy Nazi uh, Aryans, by the way, go on to Facebook. And before Facebook actually does take them down at some point. But they're saying, hey, we're merely the platform. This is what people use. Now the question is, is Breitbart truly just the platform or are they involved or is the uh, the entire website philosophically involved in this kind of rabid belief of the ultra-right? Well, yeah, because the difference between we have Facebook and we can't do anything about the people who join it and what they post, Breitbart, they solicit, accept, approve, pay for, and publish these articles. It's not an open forum where anybody can just go on there and put their article on on Breitbart. You know, they've got to take it and they've got to say, yes, we want to publish this. So it would be like if the L.A. Times ran a column by you saying that all other delis should be burned to the ground except for Brent's. And then I've written that. Yeah. And then and but then the L.A. Times said, oh, we don't you know, we have no control over this. Well, of course they do. And Breitbart, of course, they have control over what they're publishing. Now, uh, one of the things uh, which I find hilarious, Kellyanne Conway, uh, it, it go, she goes beyond just uh, he's misunderstand, he's misunderstood. It's not true. There's no connection. He has never done that. He's never been there. The earth really is flat. Uh, I, I find that just uh, uh, astounding. So let, do we have any connection with um, uh, with him, Steve Bannon, 
actually making a decision as to any of these ultra-right, rabid, racist, misogynist statements that appeared on Breitbart. Yeah, every every one of them that was published under his <laughs> reign. So the, the article about uh, renegade Jew and the thing about women uh, on birth control, it makes them crazy. He's the guy who said, yes, let's put that on there. Now, I, I think unless you're asking, do we have any evidence of he himself saying, saying right. renegade so, Jew? So or- it's, it's so it's by implication because uh, he could argue and he's not arguing. And neither is Kellyanne uh, Conway saying this was an underling and he didn't know what was happening. He didn't make those decisions. We're not hearing any of that. Are we as a defense? No, he, they're basically saying uh, he doesn't des- he doesn't agree personally with the thoughts and ideas that he allowed to be published on the site. And, and you could look at it as a very laissez-faire, like, look, I want a site that's going to get a lot of eyeballs. I'm going to put on it what I think is going to get eyeballs. I might actually, and he hasn't said this either, but I might hate the ideas that I'm allowed to be published on my website. I might hate those ideas. But I'm running a business here, and that's what I think people want to see. And how many pro-Bernie Sanders articles have appeared? How many left-wing articles, blogs? Zero. Zero. And, you know, if if you take the cynical view that he's he's just trying to build power and profit, uh, it's because I don't know that there's the same monetary cachet in, in Bernie Sanders-style Articles, but he doesn't need the money. Clearly, I mean, he's a very wealthy. He's guy. He's extremely wealthy and super smart in his own right. I don't. I don't even know if he was getting, he was he was being paid when he was head of Breitbart because he. Matter of fact, it could be that he actually spent money himself to support right. Breitbart, which he has done. So let's connect to the alt right, and we're going to separate a little bit of uh, trying to under try to understand the alt right. What is their position? Why are they so controversial? Well, number one, it's very loosely defined. It's not highly organized. It's not regimented. It's not like uh, Catholicism. You go ask the Pope, what what do we got to do to be Catholics? He'll tell you. So even within the alt-right, there's some fundamental disagreements about some things. Now, one thing that seems to be absolutely indelible is it's racist. And it's a very interesting kind of racism because one of one of the precursors to the alt-right was this group called the neo-reactionaries. And basically they said, you know what you got to do? You got to learn to think like a machine, meaning you've got to you've got to stop being self-conscious. You've got to not censor yourself. You've got to stop worrying about other people ostracizing you for your beliefs and if you do that, you'll get to the purest version of who you are and what you think. Which happens and, to be white Aryan, I'm assuming. Yes, because here's the thing. These are the same people who they, they basically say, we are the real scientists. We look at science. And they say, science says some races are not as intelligent as no. other races. You know what? It's, Therefore, it's a kind of racism it's not like an ignorant racism. They would say it's an extremely informed racism. It, this sounds and this is exactly the Nazi philosophy. Yes, precisely the Nazi philosophy where you had uh, there were PhDs handed out during the Nazi reign in uh, racial separatism. 
I mean, you could actually get a doctorate in why the Aryan race was superior to the Semites, to the African-Americans. They didn't, I think Latinos didn't even exist in those days as far as they were concerned, Serbs, et cetera. And, it's, uh, and that connection is not being made. I'm not hearing that where they're being called outright Nazis. It's the same line of thought. That started in Nazi Germany. I mean, it existed before then, but really came to prominence that 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 the racism is based on science that says, in fact, the races are different. And in the case of the alt-right, that the white race is the best race. Yeah, that is uh, the part that I find absolutely the most troubling for for, for personal reasons, of course. Uh, but I, and there is a truth to that because, uh, to an extent, races are different uh, when you look at uh, the physical makeup, when you look at certainly skin color, uh, where uh, where people lived. I mean, uh, African America or Africans are very different than uh, Inuits. Uh, different body shapes. Uh, Inuits are round. Uh, they have dark hair, and the, well, anyway, I don't want to go into. Well, it, there but, are features but there and are characteristics features that are different, but they go beyond that because we're talking superiority, yes. versus inferiority, and and that that should inform how society runs. It's like this: look, a Brayburn apple is different than a Golden Delicious apple, but nobody's walking around saying Brayburn apples are subpar and they're not full apples and they shouldn't be allowed to participate fully in, in apple, apple society. World. Yeah, in the apple world. Here's an interesting thing. So so that's a that's a very common belief. Racism. Anti-Semitism is a little more tricky. There's actually a disagreement under the big umbrella of the alt-right about the Jews. Some of them are in the Nazi tradition. They hate the Jews. The Jews are part of their, uh, you know, substandard human being thought. But. There's a whole other group under the alt-right who say, no, no, Jews are fine. Jews are just white people. Jews are not part of this issue. Technically. And, you know, technically, exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, and so so racism, absolutely for sure. Anti-Semitism, you know, it depends on which alt-righter you happen to be talking to that day. Then, then I, you know, the gender stuff is interesting because there's a ton of misogyny uh, in the movement. But it, that part's not so much rooted in the, the science. That's more rooted in good old-fashioned misogyny. And that's the area where they most like to push buttons just to push buttons rather than, rather than as an expression of their seriously held beliefs. But they, because the thing about the alt-right is the thing they love more than anything else is pissing you off. And tweaking you. That's so, that's what they live for, because at the end of the day, what it's really all about is being as politically incorrect and as offensive right. as they possibly can think. All right. Of. So my argument then comes uh, back and in, uh, in defense of the alt-right. It's not a question of basic beliefs of racism, misogyny, etc. It's just that those are issues that just work to piss people off. And if they could find strawberry ice cream, if it pissed everybody off, they would say strawberry ice cream is uh, the best out there. Yeah. So uh, it's does it, where does it 
actually cross the line, or is it so blurred it's a com- that the two are uh, interconnected to the point where you can't tell the difference at all? That's exactly what it is. It's blurred, and it's blurred on purpose. And what they talk about is uh, that they're playing <clears throat> four four dimensional chess. Other political activists, they say, are playing checkers. They're playing 4D chess, meaning their entire point is to make it extremely difficult to really get a handle on what's going on. That's why they do things like uh, when they're talking online, they don't use the N-word. If they're talking about black people, they don't use that. You know what they call black people when they're, when they're talking online? Googles. You know what they call Jews when they're talking about Jews? Skypes, like the Skype app. Uh, You know what they call Latinos? Yahoos. And they do it on purpose to completely confuse and obfuscate anybody who might want to be looking from the outside and really figure out what's going on with them. And I think that's part of it. And this is a personal opinion. I think a lot of it is cynical trolling and and as you said, adopting those supposed philosophies of racism, anti-Semitism, misogyny, but really just using them as tools to really just be trolls mm-hmm. and cause chaos and and upset now, the equilibrium. Now it seems to me that, uh, as you said, it's pretty broad in terms of the alt right, uh, but. Uh, also, part and parcel of it, I know this is very important to the alt-right, is uh, they hate Republicans uh, almost as much as they hate Democrats. I mean, they're mm-hmm. not a they're not a mainstream political movement at all. They hate everybody. I think that they hate, you know, mainstream Republicans more than Democrats because they think that the mainstream Republicans are traitors. Whereas the Democrats were never – the Democrats have not perverted an ideology in their mind. They just are wrong. The the Republican Party has perverted this very pure idea of conservatism in their mind. Right. So to that point, uh, there are plenty of people who simply hate both parties. I mean, how long have we been hearing that? Washington is broken. Neither party works. I hate them both. And since that is such an important part of the alt-right, are these people who aren't misogynists, who aren't racist, who aren't anti-Semites part of the alt-right? Because that's the only movement that represents that much hatred for the parties. And they sort of have to just suck it up and go, you know, I don't think that way, but there's really no place for me to go other than that. So I'll, I'll take that as opposed to any other position. Yeah, there, there are people who see, who see this big, umbrella called the alt-right as as the only place they feel like their limited concern which is really just government and the structure of government and the two-party system they see that as being the only place they can go where they're hearing what they want to hear and can express what they want to express without getting into arguments with everybody and so you pull and this is i think one of the the intelligent ways and it's really weird to be saying how intelligent a lot of people in the alt-right are, but the fact of the matter is a lot of people in the alt-right who are writing the materials and stuff, they are very intelligent people. I happen to think they're playing a game of they're really smart, they're creating all this material to suck in a bunch of dummies. But they're smart. The people at the top are smart, and they know they can bring a lot of people right. in who really like they're not racist, they're not misogynist, they don't even like it, but where else are they going right. to go? 
And I'm wondering politically where the alt-right, it's a political movement. And or maybe it's not because what are they asking to do? The Republicans are traitors. We hate them. The Democrats uh, we hate. So we want them out. Who do we want in? Well, they would they would appreciate a guy like a Pat Buchanan, for example, being the president. They would appreciate their own people. But there's no, like a Richard Spencer. They would think Richard Spencer moving. would be a great president. But they're not. There's no movement. To on a political level to start anything, it's just an attack uh, movement. Is is that fair to say? Yeah, but there and there's a very good reason why they can't advance beyond this stage. And you want to get into that? Yeah, after let's the talk thing? about that. Yeah, uh, there's, when we there's, come there's back. a very critical reason that they they can't right. go much farther. We'll be right back. Uh, Wayne Resnick with uh, the analysis of uh, the alt-right and telling us a little bit about what it's really about. Uh, this is KFI AM 640. Hey, it's Gary and Shannon. Help us feed thousands of local kids in Orange and L.A. counties this holiday season. Join all the KFI hosts broadcasting live from the Anaheim White House restaurant to raise money, collect pasta and sauce to benefit Katarina's Club. Thursday, December 1st from 5 a.m. to 10 p.m. For more details, log on to KFIAM640.com, keyword pastathon. KFI AM 640, an iHeart radio station. KFI AM 640 handle here on a November 17th, Thursday. Wayne Resnick is here. We've been talking about the definitions of the alt-right, what the alt-right believes in, and that's directly connected to Steve Bannon, who ran Breitbart, which is considered uh, the website of the alt-right, if that's fair to say. Based on his own statement. And now we're, we're talking about the alt-right and uh, we were discussing whether or not it's a political movement in and of itself. It's more anti than pro anything. Yes. It hates everything, both political parties. It's also considered anti-Semitic. It's misogynist. Uh, it's considered racist. It's considered not just racist, talking about the superiority of white people on a scientific basis, which is really scary. Yeah, you know, I mean, that is the one kind of racism where you just say, oh, the races are different. Right. And, and it, then this racism, which is whites are superior and all other races are inferior. And here's a scientific proof, which is really scary because they do come up with I mean, you can come up with anything. So uh, let's uh, go ahead and uh, talk about so the, the reason that they can't really be a true political movement is because the vast majority of the people are anonymous and and will not come out. They stay anonymous on the internet with usernames and it's it's a movement that has a tremendous amount of looking from the outside what you would believe is it's a movement that has a tremendous amount of shame. The stigma has it. to be the st- There is a huge stigma and right. they know that and so here's the thing. How can you have a real political movement when so many people in the movement are afraid or unwilling to to be public about their involvement, you can't. So you can't the, run for office. You can't really go campaign publicly for people. You can't introduce legislation. You can't do right. anything except be on the internet and say what you want to say and get a enjoyment from upsetting people. So I think one of the takeaways here is that uh, we 
even though they're racist, what are they going to do about it? Even though they're misogynist, those are just words. Even though uh, they're anti-Semitic, uh, it's okay, now what? However, politically, hating both parties, that has some influence. And then added to that is the guy who started this, the spokesperson, is sitting as the number two guy in the White House, the chief uh, advisor or one of the chief advisors to the president of the United States. That is scary. That's where the fear comes from, because, right, he's got the ear of the president-elect, and he is associated with all of these vile streams of thought. But, you know, the game that the alt-right can play, you know, Steve Bannon can play it, uh, another big guy who's actually public, Milo Yiannopoulos, who was kicked off, right? The game that they get to play is they get to say, in essence, look, I'm just about the we don't like the political structure in the two party system. I'm not about all these other people. And I can't control that all these other people also happen to be racist. But that's not what we're doing. And Milo Yiannopoulos, you know, they interviewed him and he said they were talking about the racists. And he said, you know, there's really not that many of them and there's really nothing that they yeah, could ever except achieve. If, except if you look at what he wrote. Yeah. When you look at what he wrote and all the people that he cites as his influences, they're all racists. Yeah. All right. Real quickly, I want to go through, through some of the words that they use. Uh, uh, beta as in alpha and beta males. Then uh, alpha males are Donald Trump leaders. Betas are weak, emasculated, uh, crybaby, whiny. Well, that's there's nothing weird about that. That's just if you disagree with us, you're a crybaby or whiny. Now, here's an interesting uh, cuckservative. <laughs> Short, and you can shorten that to cuck. That's important that we there's a U in there. Okay, I have to tell you that. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. From cuckold. Yes, from cuckold which is, and conservative. Yeah, but it's a weird uh, misuse, really, of yeah. cuck, because a cuckold is someone is a guy whose wife has has been with another man, had a baby that's the other man's baby, and, and this man has to raise the baby. That's and a he's technical been, term. Yeah, cuckold. Now, they're just using it really just to mean You've been cry, screwed cry over. whiny baby, but also that you're you're a white person who thinks that you're acting in your self-interest right. but you're really not. All right, real quickly, ethno uh, demographics uh, which is really word uh, weird. This is a scientific term that they are using to d- differentiate the races. Libtard. Oh man, that's fantastic. Political correctness, you are a libtard based on of course uh retard and liberal. Uh, masculinist, uh, that's opposed to feminist, uh, multiculturalism, but the way they use multiculturalism is as a pejorative. Oh, yeah. They hate uh, it. Yeah. Oh, you can't do that. Uh, and uh, what's this one here? Neo-reactionaries. The ne- uh, yeah, the neo-reactionaries were the people who said, you must only think rationally, not worry what anybody thinks about what you say, and those are the people who said... Uh, those are the people who say some races are simply less intelligent than other races. Yeah. And this is the way they do it. They go like this. Hey, I'm it's not my opinion. It's science. I'm just mm-hmm. acknowledging the yeah, scientific that's reality. That's, that's, that's the whole neo-reactionary yeah, movement. Yeah, that's really scary. It's part of this. And then there's two. Uh, one that has actually entered the mainstream. Snowflake. Yes. Yeah, whitey, entitled, you're a snowflake. Overly sensitive. Uh, yeah, Shannon uses that constantly. Right. Yes. 
It's she calls everybody. A, and that's an example of a phrase that started that's with now. this fringe hateful movement. And, and it, 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 it is like for anybody to say that now they're they're not. You can't say oh, you said snowflake. You're alt right. No, no, no. no. You're it's snowflake. entered mainstream yeah, use. The kids today are snowflakes, for example, or they're uh, accused of being snowflakes or anybody who is hurt. Uh, if I say something uh, microaggression. Anybody right. who is uh, sensitive to microaggression is, of course, a snowflake, just by its definition. I'm fine with this one, by the way, the way it's entered into the uh, language. It's a phrase that actually fits what's trying to be expressed, i.e., you think you're so completely special and unique, yeah. and there's only one like you that you can't handle oh, you know what? anything now, that doesn't fit your view. That I didn't put together with the word snowflake. To me, there's a fragility. There's you have to be handled with kid gloves. Yes. It melts so quickly. Melts on contact. Yes. And then uh, white genocide. And this is the exact opposite of the uh, minority races uh, that are saying you're out to get us. You're out to uh, effectively uh, curtail our ability to live. They're saying you're attacking white people. And all of this philosophy, the the philosophies that are not alt-right, is to uh, promulgate the destruction of white people. Right. That's their view. That, that's that their actually view. white people are the victims yep. of everything that's going that's on. That's white now. genocide. Okay. Good stuff. Wayne, thank you, sir. Right there. I guess we would both be the uh, subject, the object of a lot of this. So we can't join the alt-right because that I don't, would be... I don't, they we they would not want us. They would not take us. Fine with me. What is it Groucho Marx said? Yeah, I don't want to be a member of a club that would have me as a member. That's absolutely correct. All right, coming up, uh, some fun news. Vin Scully gets the phone call about receiving the Presidential Medal of Freedom. It's an awesome phone call, and we'll do that as soon as we come back. KFI AM 640. KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. And this is uh, KFI Handle here. Excuse me. On a uh, Thursday, November 17th. Uh, Getting away from politics for a moment, which is always good news. In fact, uh, coming up at 8 o'clock, we have a successful scratch. And uh, it's a wild story. Uh, Skid Road to Juice Millionaire. I mean, literally from the streets to uh, a businessman who's doing a huge business. All right. So uh, every year, uh, the president names and awards uh, the president names the recipients and awards the Presidential Medal of Freedom. This is the biggest civilian, the most uh, important civilian award that anybody can get in the United States. And it's a... uh, Ceremony takes place in the White House, and you see it, and they put the medal on, and uh, it's a fairly big deal. And the people that generally, well, always win everything from actors, athletes, scientists, writers. This year, uh, Bill and Melinda Gates, who established the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, uh, Frank Gehry, architect, and uh, some uh, posthumously, some not. Well, we have two, Bruce Springsteen, for example, is on the list this year. We have two Southern California sports figures who are receiving the uh, medal of of the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Uh, One of them, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and I'm assuming the president's going to have, need a stepladder to put it on uh, around his neck, and Vin Scully. And I don't know if there has ever been a sports announcer to have one 
this award. I don't think so, who have received this award. I think Vince Scully may be the first. And uh, for if you've ever had the utter pleasure of uh, meeting with or talking to uh, Vince Scully, uh, as nice as he is, as, as wonderful and warm as he is as a broadcaster, and I think that's what uh, one of the reasons uh, that makes him such an extraordinary broadcaster and why he's such a favorite, uh, not only his knowledge and not only his delivery, uh, which, uh, of course, is, is so well-known. Uh, it's I think the word iconic is fair to use. But also just the genuineness. He's just a genuinely nice, nice man uh, who not only is a joy, but doesn't get who he is. I mean, really doesn't understand uh, that he's Vin Scully. And so when he was called by Josh Ernest, who is the press secretary to the president, and told that he was going to win, in fact, he had received in the ceremony next Tuesday, uh, the Medal of Freedom was going to be put around his neck, the phone call was actually recorded. And this is the recording of him getting the note, uh, getting the call. Hello. Hello, Mr. Scully. Yes. Hi there. My name is Josh Ernest. I'm the White House Press Secretary. Oh, my gosh. I certainly know the name. How are you, sir? <laughs> I'm doing great. How are you this afternoon? Oh, we're fine. Well, Mr. Scully, I know that you, you're really busy. I, I, I wanted to call and, and talk to you about something. The, um, every year, the president uh, gives out something called the Presidential Medal of Freedom. It is oh, the, oh, yes. It, it's the highest civilian honor that any president uh, can give. And President Obama has given it out every year that he's been in office. And he gives it just to just a handful of people. Uh, and this year, he's going to give it to you. Oh, my gosh. No. Yes. So you've had. Are you, you sure? I mean, <laughs> I'm just an old baseball announcer. Well, listen, you've had a remarkable impact on the lives of generations of sports fans in this country. And you have brought a decency and a professionalism to this job that hasn't just captured the attention of generations of Americans. It's captured the attention of the president of the United States. And you, well, you get you gosh, quite a legacy. Am, uh, I'm, I'm rather overwhelmed and humbled. And Thank you so sir. much, Josh. Oh, it's my pleasure. Take care. Bye. Bye for now. Well, there was a phone. Oh, how cool is that? Oh my goodness! So that was Josh Ernest, like kind of even himself taken yeah. aback, like, "Wow, I can't believe I got to do that." And uh, so that was a, a fun phone call. And I wonder what the meeting is like when they sit and throw out names, and people argue back and forth, and who is on the committee that makes that decision, and does the president? I mean, he certainly has the final say, but does he want to? Does he throw in names, for example, or say, "Nah, I'm not a big fan," or uh, "We don't. We we have already too many writers on there." I wonder how that works. Uh, but anyway, no one is going to disagree. No one is going to disagree with Vin Scully being put on that list. All right, uh, coming up, a success from scratch segment. Uh, Skid Row. We talked about a little bit about the homeless people. Well, it was a homeless Skid Row resident. Who started a little business that's doing, what, $10 million a year now? Not a bad story. This is KFI AM 640, more stimulating talk.